the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening and thank you for being on Periscope. It's the first segment. Let's see, you got Periscope out there. At Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And it is great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. I see folks are sharing the program on Periscope. It's good to be with the Pro-America Report. Pro-America Report, we take up exactly what's happening in this country. So many fake news outlets. So much nonsense being spewed. Here's the wink today. The fake news is joining with Pelosi to lie about what's going on. I mean, yesterday we broke this down and talked about it. I can't believe it's now been taken up by the fake news. It's like they get their talking points uh, from uh, the fake news, get some from the left, which, of course, they do. uh, But you expect a little more independence. So let's walk through it in just a moment. And we also will be uh, excited today. We'll talk with Ted Malik, our friend Ted Malik from the U.K. He'll give us an update uh, officially Harry and Meghan are out of the uh, UK and somewhere settled in Hollywood or something. Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody could care less. It's We're a far cry from Princess Diana when Americans were fixated on that. I think we're pretty far away from it. But hey, be that as it may, that's all going on. But we'll talk with Ted Malik. He's over in London. He's locked down there. He has a real perspective at this point on the leadership needed to get us through this crisis. And, of course, Ted Malik is uh, well known for his... Um, for his uh, uh, e- economics. He's been a business professor at some of the biggest universities over in Euro- in the UK as well as in the United States. And so he will uh, he'll break it down for us and and give us a full uh, a full walkthrough. And then we'll talk with Adam and Adam and who is open the You know, he's one of the most fearless folks who are keeping an eye on what's going on in government. I've got a lot of questions for him on these massive spending bills that have been passed uh, out of this uh, Congress, what he thinks we can do about it. So uh, great to be with you again. It's the Ed, Ed Martin. I'm Ed, I'm Ed Martin. It's a Pro-America Report. For those of you tuning in on Periscope, thanks for being there. Those of you listening on the radio, Periscope is at Eagle Ed Martin. Make sure to uh, go to edmartinlive.com to find and follow more. All right. What you need to know today. I don't know if you've been watching these uh, press conferences. I know I've talked to you a lot, a lot about it. But what you need to know today is that the talking points from Nancy Pelosi over the weekend, which is Donald Trump didn't do enough. He started too late. That's the talking point uh, has been taken up by the fake news media. And the fake news media is literally running a sort of timeline that's a lie. And, you know, you you have to go. The only place you can go now to break this down correctly is to social media and to places like this show and others, because even Fox News doesn't seem to understand what's happening. I mean, they sort of get it. And when you listen to Tucker Carlson's show or some of these programs, you get a perspective. But what you need to know is the lie is that somehow we, meaning America, didn't do what we could have done in a timely manner. 
And the number one uh, detail that people need to unremember is that President Trump, ahead of everybody else, stopped the inflow of people from China. He did. He, maybe he'll be famous for his travel bans because he said, we're not going to allow people from Muslim countries that have shown terrorist tendencies, the people, not the countries. We're not going to let them come to America. That was his first so-called travel ban. They called it a Muslim travel ban. It wasn't. It was a targeted effort to make sure that people that were that were that had been showing and, and a desire to hurt us weren't allowed in. Well, President Trump, the first one way ahead of everybody else, he said, we're not going to let anybody in from China. And then if you remember, it's only a few weeks ago, he said, we're not going to not let anybody in from Europe. And they get, oh, you're being too tough. You're being too tough. He was saying, look, I can see what they're doing. I can see what's happening. And now we're moving uh, heaven and earth to try to save people's lives. But here's why it's so devious what the fake news is doing. They're not even showing up now at the press conferences. You know, the press conferences, they're breaking away if they show any of it. And they're basically looking for sound bites to damage the president. And again, we're in the midst of we're either in the midst of a total, total war with this bug, this virus or we're not. If you think you're not, then you should go ahead and say that. If, if Nancy Pelosi thinks we're not in the middle of a war to save our American lives and save our, our nation and get ourselves back to work, if she doesn't think so, she should say that. But if she does think so, then she should stop this because she's draining from this president uh, the kinds of confidence that he needs in from we the people. And it's tough on us, right? It's really tough on people. By the way, over my shoulder, if you're watching on Periscope up there, that's a picture of my brother, the Marine. He's also now a firefighter uh, who is um, on the front lines up in Massachusetts. He's an EMT firefighter and all, and, and he's, um, he's on the front lines. He was on the front lines in Afghanistan and also awesome guy. And I, for those of you on Periscope, that's my way to tease you into coming onto Periscope to see that great uh, picture of my Marine Corps brother. But Nancy Pelosi said over the weekend, the talking points that she's now got the press saying is President Trump was slow to act. The, The beauty of this, by the way, is that the president has now gone back and what what you need to he's gone he's excuse me, the media has gone back and tried to rewrite history. And they've had to admit that it was actually Congress that was fiddling while the problems were starting, CDC did a warning. That's the president's. The president's. The president's in charge of the executive branch. That includes CDC. The CDC does a warning in early January. The president cuts off all travel to Ch- from China, from Europe. The actions. Here's a great detail. I'm so interested in this happening that it turns out that uh, that. Uh, Senator Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas, who really has been fired up about China for a few months now, really mad about China, really energized about China. It turns out that Tom Cotton, uh, Tom Cotton left the Senate in order to uh, lobby about China. In other words, during the impeachment trial, you know, when you talk about what Nancy Pelosi did or could have done, she basically sanctioned the idea of an impeachment trial for all those weeks, uh, two and a half, three weeks. Tom Cotton, I guess, snuck away from his official duties to go and talk about this coronavirus. If there's one guy that should be lauded for having figured out what was going on, it's Tom Cotton. Uh, by the way, someone who just put that put, scrolled through made a comment. Let me just say to the commenters, I couldn't see his name. Fa- he went too fast. He said the president got rid of his pandemic uh, uh, council. This is such a this is, again, such nonsense by the talking, by the, the fake news media and the left. What he did was he got in and he realized that there was ridiculous numbers of divisions, ridiculous numbers of, of, of titles and all over the place. And he shifted. Everybody's agreed and admitted 
that he shifted from the National Security Council some kind of unit that had a cool title, something about pandemics, and he didn't get rid of any of the workers. He didn't get rid of any of the jobs covered. He didn't get rid of, any, any, getting rid of anything being done. He just moved them into other places. This is classic swamp move. The bureaucracy and the swamp creates jobs and titles. I'll tell you a quick story. I went over to the State Department probably 2017 in the middle of the year. It was when I was doing my time on CNN. I was a commentator. So I guess it was fall of 2017. And when I went over to the State Department for an event, I got into a conversation with one of the staffers there. Uh, and they told me that it was um, after Obama, uh, excuse me, after Trump won and Hillary lost, there was a wholesale effort in the time from November until January to quickly convert lots of the political appointees into career positions because they wanted to stack the deck. Yeah, then the same person coming back through. Yeah, the NPR journalist is lying. That's correct. The NPR journalist who is saying that the president got rid of the pandemic council is lying. They're mistakening what any good new elected official, executive or CEO would do, which is make sure that the job's being done and get rid of people that and, and redundant titles or titles that are silly and make them go forward. So that's right. NPR and all of the fake news is lying because the game is to spin against Trump. And the talking point has been fed by Nancy Pelosi. She fed the line over the weekend and said, here, everybody, here's the direction we want to head. Let's talk about the fact that the president could have done more earlier when in fact at the time period where everything was going pretty bad it was the president who was, had to deal with an impeachment that's true but the whole congress was tied up with impeachment and remember don't forget this is why it's so sick nancy pelosi and chuck schumer and adam schiff and uh, Senator Warner are all part of what's called the Gang of Eight. There are eight members of Congress who are briefed on all of the highest level intelligence stuff. And they are tracked in there to be briefed on everything so that they know exactly what's going on. So in December and January, when there was stuff happening in China, guess who knew about it? Even more than Tom Cotton or any other senator. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, along with Mitch McConnell, along with um, uh, the uh, uh, Senator Burr, Richard Burr uh, of North Carolina, the guy who sold his stocks after he got look. This is, by the way, this is not the swamp is not a a, a, a uh, the swamp is a bipartisan problem. The, the the swamp is a bipartisan problem. What they're doing. And he said, no, the president didn't hear this is the same person. The president didn't call it a hoax. He called the media coverage. He called the media coverage a hoax. He never called the coronavirus a hoax. Again, fact check. It's like the Charlottesville hoax. It's crazy. Go back and look at what's actually was said. And you'll see what you're getting is spun by the media. And what I'm pointing out, and this is what you need to know, and I'll finish because we got to go talk to some of these great guests, is the media is working not in the old days, maybe they were biased against we the people in favor of the left, but we didn't see it so blatantly as we see it now, where Pelosi drops the talking points on the weekend and the media covers it all week long. That's what we're seeing. And it's despicable. And but more importantly, it's not working. You know, the, the coverage of the, uh, the polling on this is that, that nobody in America trusts very few people in America. I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people in America trust the media. Why? Because the media has been doing fake news too long. They've been doing fake news too long and the people are looking and that's why they're watching the White House press briefings and they're looking at they're looking at President Trump, who is who has next to him, the experts and the people that understand things, Fauci and Burks and all these doctors. And he's saying, hey, this is what we have to do. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're on, I'll wrap up on Periscope for the folks, but we'll be right back on the uh, excuse me on the Pro-America Report right here on The Answer San Diego. I'll be right back. 
Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Ted Malik is with us. Uh, he is calling in from um, from London, where I assume he's in London. Maybe he's outside of London. We'll find out in a second. He's got a new column over here, which is great, because last week we talked with him, maybe 10 days ago, about uh, his book, uh, which was um, about this notion of common sense principles in business. And he's written a whole column applying that to uh, what's going on in the world. Welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm fine. We're quarantined and not seeing many people, but gives you lots of time to reflect and write. Yeah, I bet for you it's like a godsend. Everybody, nobody can inter- interrupt your writing, so you can uh, write like wild. I think that's probably a good thing. Um, Ted, you know, you've been an observer, especially because you've lived on both sides of the Atlantic uh, extensively, um, about sort of crisis management. I know it's sort of what your column's about. And by the way, it's tedmalik.com. Uh, you'll see uh, uh, Dr. Ted Malik's stuff, his books there, some of his writings, vi- videos. Um, but, um, Ted, leadership in a time of crisis. You know, we all in this country have been conditioned to think of uh, Churchill. Americans think of Churchill's leadership in England and and uh, various generals and things like that. I just thought I'd ask you, what, what do you think about um, this moment, how the leadership in the world is holding up, and just your thoughts on things? Well, it is a critical juncture, and indeed, I think that the kind of uh, prudent, common-sense leadership that's being exhibited now, not only by our president, but by the team that's surrounding him, is is rather important and critical. I mean, the Brits call it uh, keeping calm. Uh, but, you know, we're in a pandemic situation. We're in a war situation. This is a wartime presidency now. And if you contrast it with what the other side is offering, I'm um, I'm afraid that the difference is is, is uh, pretty uh, pretty wide. No vision, uh, dementia in effect, and the return to misplaced multilateralism, multiculturalism, and uh, transnational global financiers, a party of Davos. So uh, I, I think that what we need to do is come together as a nation. And um, there seems the polls seem to be showing that, and the American public seems to be demonstrating that in terms of their goodwill, their volunteering, and their perseverance. But we need to let our leaders um, lead us. And uh, I, I wrote about this in some detail in terms of the common sense ability and acumen that has been so demonstrable throughout American history, but I think needs to be part of this crisis as well. And it's really a It's an interesting... So I talk about all these 15 yeah. elements that go into defining it and making it, um, and I think the president uh, basically um, shows a number of those, and in some of them, you know, obviously people around him and some of the experts exhibit uh, some of the other characteristics. But we will get through this. We will persevere. And it's very trying. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik and, and, and Ted, about this, I mean, one thing I wanted to a, a, a pause on that line, you just, the line of thought you said there is, how do you balance um, the folks like our friends that are sort of Tea Party conservatives that that have seen they've lived through um, the sort of anxiety of uh, of seeing leaders uh, in office that seem out of touch and are pushing us towards really troubling things, whether it's the sort of globalist movement or Obamacare. And by the way, let me say, uh, Ted, I want to make sure to say it. The, the book, the book that he wrote on this is called Common Sense Business, uh, which uh, you can find available wherever books are um, and and 
and sort of his his column, which I'll put up on social media, uh, taps into that. But but how do you hold the conservative Tea Party folks who are saying, wait a second, they arrested a pastor in Florida. I knew it would come to this, you know, and meanwhile, we're saying, no, we got a serious problem. How do you do that? Well, I think you had to be balanced and reasoned. And uh, while I am certainly, and many Americans are persons of good faith, we also have to realize the medical uh, situation, which uh, is a pandemic. So therefore, we have to have social distancing. We can't contaminate each other. We don't want other people to get ill. Now, you know, maybe 1.2% of people are going to be affected by this. It's not the demonstrable large number that the WHO suggested, but it's still you know, it's still a death-defying uh, kind of experience. I know people that have gone through it now. It's not wish something you'd wish on anyone. And the weakest among us, particularly the old and those that have underlying conditions, can die from this. And uh, whatever those numbers are, hopefully they're well below the thresholds that Dr. Fauci and others have suggested. But, we, you know, we've witnessed this now in China, in Asia, most particularly in Italy and Spain and France. And it. uh beginning to creep up on us in terms of the apex of this in the United States, particularly in hot spots around major cities. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik and Ted, um, um, on this um, sort of, um, you know, kind of in a way, it's a simple question, but it's impossible to answer. Do we have a different world economy that will let us start faster after this great stop? I call it the great pause. We're having this great pause, and then you have people say, oh, we could be in a, in a depression or a recession for 20 years, all this kind of stuff. Are, is there something about where we are as an American economy, maybe the world economy, that we gives us hope to start faster than being stuck for a year or two in a, in a real uh, downturn? Well, it's a good question, and you know we've had other pandemics, not quite of this magnitude in the past. If we can turn it around and make it more like a V shape instead of a long U shape, then indeed we come out of it uh, with a very strong recovery because the underlying um, statistics, the underlying conditions are very strong, and we'll see um, you know a, a return to prosperity. But let's not underestimate the impact of this, particularly on people who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are running small businesses, or who uh, are going to go bankrupt as a result. That is very serious. I'm, I'm personally very excited, and I, mean, I watch it whenever it comes on television, uh, by the president and the inspiration. He used the word aspirational goals, and that's in part what a president does. He helps the nation uh, want to do something to create a force or an influence that inspires our action. And I, I find that very uh, illustrative. I think people are dependent clearly on their religious faith, uh, on their other traditions, and these things will, in fact, get us through. And I think the economy is, uh, is, uh, is really suffering seriously, and uh, it, it will for some short period of time. Let's make that as short as possible. Your readers might be interested to know that for the last two days, and probably for the next day, I'm working on a project for a certain U.S. senator, I won't say who, another Republican of conservative ilk. And the question is, how are we going to get China to pay back for this damage? So that might be a topic for a future conversation, Ed, because yeah. I've got five or six ideas that are going to uh-huh. block their boat. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that that's the that's what I try to tell my folks. You know, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, our organization of which I'm the head, and we talk all the time about it on the show. It, we're always looking for how do we make a difference towards conservative values in policy, right? It's we're not interested in in necessarily having deep thoughts, although we have them sometimes. It's how do you come up with ideas that can become part of it? You know, uh, in the in the 1990s, health savings accounts, which were a brand new thing, that was something Phyllis Schlafly pushed very hard. It made a big difference in you having control over your money and the policy falling behind there's a huge opportunity china's one example in the world in our world relationship in healthcare you know i think most people are going to finish this and say well we had a great healthcare system but what can we do better how can we have more control how can i have uh, more uh, individually have more sense of what to do so that's a great that's um, medical care because that has proved uh very deleterious in in european countries uh so you don't want exactly model um, but yep, exactly. I'm, I'm really seriously thinking about how China pays the cost. I'm talking retribution. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I think, and I think the appetite for Amer- the American people after we buckle down and get through this for figuring out how to change what's gone on, and as you say, make people pay and make people be held accountable. You know, I, I, I he got a lot of grief. Uh, Tom Massey did, Congressman, for wanting a a vote on the on the floor of the House for this, uh, yeah. you know, massive bill. But th- it's kind of our tradition to hold them accountable. Let's hold people accountable. That's America, right? We, when we want to, we can forgive you, but we're going to hold you accountable and and then decide to forgive you. I think that's china thinks they got away with it and they feel like they got away with it. i think yeah and that cannot be the case so minimally we have to repatriate all the critical supply lanes and chains and and decouple them from china that includes pharmaceuticals medical supplies instruments protective equipment and extend it over time i think to all material and goods deemed necessary to national security so that's a minimal threshold but i've got four or five other things on the economic uh-huh. <laughs> side, that will uh, will put this uh, together in the next day or two. Literally, put China out of business. Good. Well, I look forward to it as always. Ted Malik, go to tedmalik dot com. Uh, com. Doctor Ted Malik, his books are there anywhere you find it, and his column, uh, this one that we're referring to, nurturing common sense in a time of crisis, very good, very helpful to think uh, about and put in action over at American Greatness, which is amgreatness.com. Thanks very much, Ted. We'll talk again soon. God bless. Good to be with you. Thanks. Well, all right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be right back. Ed Martin. And the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. And our next guest is an old friend of mine and is Adam Andrzejewski, who is the leader, fearless leader of OpenTheBooks.com is the website. You need to go there because what these guys are doing uh, are there, and you know, it's even better. He's an even better leader um, than you'd expect in a way because he's pretty cool and pretty good on the air. He's on TV all the time. But I was doing an event in St. Louis maybe six months or eight months ago. I said to him, hey, can you come down and train some of our Eagle leaders on this? And instead of saying, yeah, let me tell you, I'm big time. Let me come down. Adam Anjewski said, no, no, I got two guys in a county down in southern Illinois that know how to do this transparency effort and really make this work. They'll be better to train you. And they came over. They were phenomenal. The guys were great. So OpenTheBooks.com. You need to check it out. It's a project of the American Transparency, which is a nonpartisan charitable organization. If you're looking for a place to help people, uh, it's a great organization. Welcome to the program, Adam. How are you? Ed, thank you. Thanks for uh uh, your platform today. Um, I come to you with a heavy heart. Our honorary yeah. chairman, Dr. Tom Coburn, passed away over the weekend. 
And, uh, you know, many uh, will remember him. In 2013, he was on the Time 100, the 100 most influential persons in the world list. Uh, last week, this giant of a man passed away. And to our organization and to me personally, he was a true friend. He was a mentor. He was a statesman. And our nation today, our nation today is a lot poorer at the passing of Dr. Tom Coburn. May he rest in peace. Yeah, he was an extraordinary, what an extraordinary life. You know, when I remember reading about him uh, when he had, before he had gone into the House originally for a while and then the Senate uh, for a few years, he, he was a, a practicing physician and, uh, and had literally thousands and thousands of uh, families. I think he was a, I think he was technically a family medicine doctor. I might be getting it wrong, but he delivered babies and he, he, and he just had this ma- massive career as a, as a family physician, obstetrician, I guess he was no B. And, um, and so just amazing. And then he had the second career and he was tough. You know, they always call the guy who says no to stupid stuff. They call him uh, Dr. No or Mr. No. And they, they peg that to him. But but he was re- he was really good at, at what he did. And he I, I agree with you. And, and maybe he was ahead of you because he was doing it in the Congress before he opened the books uh, was doing such great stuff. So it really was a good a match for you guys. That's right. It was a perfect match. I met him in 2013. And uh, what Dr. Coburn couldn't stop using the Senate rules on the pork barrel pork barrel expenditure projects, he embarrassed his colleagues. He turned around and he put together a waste book every single year on the waste, fraud, corruption, and taxpayer abuse that came out of Congress. So he had a man, you know, this was a guy of real courage, real principle. He had a strong faith, and, uh, and I think he won acclaim on both sides of the aisle. He was respected by virtually everybody. Yeah, and also he was probably too well adjusted for that world because when he find when he did get sick, he was like, "I'm I'm out of here. I'm not going to spend my time. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to do some things, write some books, and also." I agree with you. Um, I I think he got a lot of attention in passing, and that was honorable. Uh, but obviously, he was a big a big man. And and you know, you mentioned the waste book uh, more than ever, Adam. The problem with the what's happening in Congress. And it happened again, the last three bills with what happened. We were obviously we're in this crisis, but it's kind of the confusopoly. Someone used the term once that they pass a bunch of stuff. It's too fast for any normal person to understand. And then it turns out there's all sorts of dog meat in it, as my father-in-law says. What's what's your how do you how are you looking at the especially this two point two trillion last um, so-called uh, stimulus? What to give us walk us through what you're seeing. It must be keeping you up at night, either working or uh, or uh, having nightmares. So tell us what you think. So I, I put up a piece at Forbes. It's got nearly a half million views. And the title of it is, is, Is There Wasteful Spending in the Coronavirus Stimulus Bill? And what I did in the piece <laughs> is I walked, <laughs> I walked through the, uh, the whole timeline on the legislation, which, as you say, was, was horribly rushed. There was no transparency on this. Actually, when the, uh, when the Senate went in to debate the bill um, twice after the first hour, final, final versions of the bill were distributed. So nobody read the final version of the bill before they voted on it. And it wasn't single subject legislation. This was not a, a coronavirus stimulus bill. This this had a bunch of pork barrel projects and, and pet projects stuffed into it. And that's a real shame on the Congress. It is. Um, so tell me, uh, how do you how do you, you know, it's it strange because if, if I think if it was President Hillary Clinton and this had happened and she passed this bill, we might be in the midst of, uh, of you know, non-social distancing because we probably have another Tea Party. And I'm not I'm only half kidding. Right. I mean, I think if it if we well, saw this, you know, you see. 
see all this stuff. And a lot of us, and I'm one of them, says to myself and others, hey, um, I trust this president. He wouldn't do all this if he didn't sort of have to. And I mean, that maybe that's the beginning of, of, of the end of my uh, principled conservatism. But I kind of feel like, hey, he wouldn't want to do this. But on the other hand, as I have also been on record saying, if you voted for this uh, nasty bill, your career will never be the same because we're going to find out more about it. What are we already knowing about that's in there? I mean, what are we already seeing that's wasteful? So we compared the Pelosi bill in the House versus what passed in the Republican Senate and was turned into law on a bipartisan basis. Nobody in the Senate voted against it, 96 to nothing. And they took a voice vote, a bunch of chicken chickens in the House. They didn't even want to put their name next to it. Um, and so we compared Pelosi's House bill, which was 1,400 pages and $2.5 trillion, versus the McConnell bill that ended up becoming law. So, you know, you go point by point. The Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. This is getting a lot of attention. Pelosi earmarked $35 million. The, the Senate Republicans gave them $25 million. Now, here's the point, Ed. In the past 10 years, the Kennedy Center received nearly $70 million of federal grants. In one fell swoop, the Republican Senate bill gave them $25 million. They didn't need the money. They've got total assets of $560 million. And what did they do immediately with the funding? The bill passed on a Friday. They turned around on Monday and they fired all of their musicians. It's yeah, it is. It makes you crazy. I have seen that one. And I thought to myself, you know, it, and I, I also did this and I know and we're talking with Adam Anjewski and, and you should go to open uh, the dot com, because when I say this next one, you're going to you're going to want to go find this report, which is there. I'm trying to find it as in real time. But, you know, I also thought it was insane. Some some benefit was uh, uh, allowed under one of these bills for Harvard or one of the universities has these massive endowments. And I know uh, open the books uh, went and looked at the endowments and I th- and then they immediately Fire or laid off all their cafeteria workers. So you got Harvard with $50 billion or $60 billion in endowment, and they're not even carrying the janitor or the cafeteria worker for the period of time. But we're all supposed to band together and pay our taxes so you can bail out the Kennedy Center or whatever. I, it, it does make you insane, incensed. But now let me challenge you. Give me, give me one that people haven't covered yet. I mean, what, what, there must be other ones like what they did with the Kennedy Center that hasn't been noticed yet. Absolutely. So in the Pelosi bill, in the national press, you know, it was said she was trying to drive the Green New Deal through the uh, virus bill. And it was said that it was $200 million to develop, transport, and store sustainable jet fuels. And that, that has nothing to do with the virus. Well, we dug into that, Ed, and here's what we found. It wasn't $200 million in the Pelosi bill. It was $1.2 billion because, because it was $200 million for that jet fuel for six straight years. And thankfully, the Republicans got rid of that provision. Wow. Wow. That, that's, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's what Adam Anjewski and OpenTheBooks.com finds. Because, again, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, and I, you, I know you're probably the one that does it. As we find out all those details, you... Excuse me. They used to be able to get away with this. The public used to say, well, we know there were trying. We had people hurting. You don't get away with it anymore. It's going to come back to bite everybody. And it will, by the way, it will be the also the president. I mean, it will also hurt the president. But uh, Adam, what else can we do? What can we uh, do to help modify behavior? You know, is there something you see? I know your job is to be your organization shines the light. But what do you see that helps people uh, kind of uh, change what they're doing? 
Well, you know, it starts with exposure, and then it comes down to regular people calling their member of Congress and asking them one question. What are you doing to eliminate waste, fraud, corruption, and taxpayer abuse? And everyone's name's on this bill. And I'm just going to give you another example. The Democrats wanted to put $1.1 billion into the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the National Endowment of the Arts, effectively in one fell swoop, doubling the budgets of those agencies. Unfortunately, the Senate mm-hmm. Republicans scaled it back to $200 million. Uh, I mean, it was a material difference fr- from $1.1 billion, but still $200 million. You know, that would have bought 61,000 ventilators if each ventilator cost uh, $3,300. So you have all wow. of this money being shoveled off to agencies that actually, you know, they've got nothing to do with coronavirus aid. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, people need to go to uh, and, and, and we'll uh, we'll have you back on again, Adam, as you see stuff that's good to come on, especially in this time. Folks are you know, we our program is an hour long, but we turn every segment into something we can send around to folks so they can pass it around. So as you see stuff, we can talk about Adam Anjevsky. It's open the dot com. It's an extraordinary organization. Uh, the Transparency Revolution is, is what they call it. Uh, thanks, Adam. We'll talk again soon. Ed, thank you very much. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in just a moment. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. A brokered convention is the worst nightmare of Democrats and Republicans. No matter the party, not having a nominee who can win the primaries outright fractures the base and alienates supporters of the candidates who are not picked. Neither major party has had a protracted, contested, nominating convention since 1952, and neither party wants one. Because of this, the modern presidential primary system is engineered to make a brokered convention very, very unlikely. Some candidates establish themselves as front runners for a nomination, other candidates drop out, and voters tend to rally around the ultimate nominee. That's the plan. Have you ever wondered why primary elections are held on different days in different states? The staggering of the primaries is supposed to prevent a brokered convention. After a few primaries, the more popular candidates become clear. Eventually, one of them secures enough delegates to ride into his party's convention as the flag bearer for the party in the general election. The system has been designed this way to give the party as a whole a fighting chance. However, there is a huge threat looming over American elections. Early voting undermines this process by leaving a hodgepodge of candidates on the ballot after they stop being serious contenders. Think about it this way. Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Amy Klobuchar dropped out just before Super Tuesday to throw their support behind Joe Biden. If you mailed in your early voting ballot even just a few days before Super Tuesday and you voted for Mayor Pete or Senator Amy Klobuchar, your vote is useless. You've been deprived of your chance to have your voice heard. Thousands of ballots are mailed weeks before primary day in some states, so this is a widespread issue. California is a huge prize for any candidate because of its size and number of delegates. But California listed about a half a dozen people on their ballot who had already dropped out of the race before Election Day. 
So California Democrats mailed their ballots in early, well before the primary election date in that state. Early voting is not a solution. It's a nightmare. Let's bring integrity back to our elections by rejecting early voting. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report. You know, you just listened, you heard right before there, the radio commentaries that I record each day. They run across the country. That one, of course, is on early voting, a big issue we've talked about before. So uh, you can check that out. Go to phyllisschlafly.com also to see all those uh, commentaries I do. So thank you for listening to that. It's a pleasure to put those together. And I said, like I said, they air on over 480 stations across the country each day, each weekday. So I'm proud of that, uh, to do that. All right, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And um, don't forget, you can get the show as a podcast at TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Folks tell me they go there or Google Play, Google, uh, excuse me, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I have it set as a subscription on my own uh, phone so I get my own podcast, if you can believe it. I don't always listen to myself, but it's good to get it and I make my wife listen to it and it's all good. So, uh, but listen, I, I got a couple things to wrap up. Number one, there's a a guy that I'm a fan of, and I hope you will be too, in Congress. His name is Representative Mark Green. He's a physician, um, and he was in the uh, a combat veteran. Um, he's a star. He's a you know, this kind of guy that's very impressive. His name is Mark Green at Mark Green. Excuse me at Rep Mark Green on Twitter. If you want to check him out, well, here's why I bring it up because he's a physician. It's a, a very helpful thing. You have a physician who's in Congress who's actually pretty conservative and smart. He tweeted earlier today this news, and this I want to get to this because he says. Um, he tweeted this. Great news. Drug manufacturers Novartis and Bayer have announced they'll donate a hydro, hydro, hydroxychloroquine to fight COVID-19. Thank you at USFDA for clearing this drug for use. This is an important step in our fight against the virus. Here's what I want to tell you. I have a friend of mine who a pastor in her church was uh, preached, preached a funeral about a month ago, then got sick with the flu and it was COVID and got better from having the hydro uh, hydroxychloroquine and the z-pack and everything and my point here is there's been some coverage especially out of china and other places that it doesn't work and i don't believe it and i know you think that's crazy ed what do you, you know you know better than other doctors and everything i'm not saying that well i guess i'm sort of saying that what i'm saying here is what i hear from people and from dr green and others is i don't think it hurts and so you say well is it worth doing something you don't think it hurts yeah I mean, that's the point that, you know, the sort of right to try mentality, which is something I keep telling people, you know, is that, hey, you can make informed decisions about your life and your health. And when it's, you know, when within a range, I'm not saying that the FDA doesn't have a role, but people deserve the chance to try what they're going to do. Andy Schlafly, who I hope to have on the show later this week, uh, Andy Schlafly is a lawyer and uh, the general counsel for the uh, American Association of uh, Physicians and Surgeons, an, an organization of more conservative doctors. And Andy has has a, a, a not just an anecdote, but has a specific physician who treated, I think, over 100 patients with the hydroxychloroquine and the Z-Pak and a combination and had great success. The point here is we know that those drugs have been used on humans in large quantities 
and not cause significant damage. In other words, if you use that, I think my understanding is these drugs, if you use them for a year, they sometimes will have some uh, some built up detrimental advantage. But if you use them for a week or two, they don't. My point is the coverage of the notion that these aren't perfect is not acknowledging the moment we're in. The moment we're in right now is that we have to try everything. We have to try everything within reason. And we have to be willing to try everything. You know, there was approval today of a, of a, te- a test that might get you the results of whether you have the virus within two minutes. And if we can get control of who has it that easily and relatively low cost, you know, it's not thousands of dollars. It's a, a modest amount. Then we can start to manage this thing to go back to work. And if you listen closely to the program last night, and I hope you did, and you go there again, you can listen again, the answer San Diego.com or go to edmartinlive.com for the segments. You can see him. Daryl Issa said he mentioned that he's on a special task force appointed by Donald Trump, including Dr. Ronnie Jackson, the former White House physician from down in Texas. And Daryl Issa and Ronnie Jackson and others are working on uh, a, a program for phased reopening, phased return, I guess is the phrase, phased return to work. Because we're going to have to go back to work. It's a question of how we do it and when we do it and what we do together. So I, I'm, I'm really um, excited to see uh, Senator, excuse me, Congressman Green weigh in on this and to say, hey, this is um, uh, what we can do. This is what we're um, um, uh, going to make happen. And let's go. And I think we need more of that, not less. I think it's very important. We need more of that and not less. And I think... You're seeing a sea change in leadership because of the president, because of the dynamic. And I think it's very good. And I think it's very good. And that's not to say, by the way, uh, I don't I want to be clear. I don't know if hydro hydroxychloroquine and these and the combination is going to be the solution. But I know we better try. I know we better try that faced with the facts we saw yesterday in the White House briefing, such daunting numbers and possibilities, you know, 2.2 million dead in America. And that's the worst case. Best case is maybe 100,000, could be 200,000. These are huge numbers. I, I, I tell people that one of the things that's changing rapidly, and you're probably feeing, feeling it and seeing it, is this. The, the, the Kevin Bacon factor. You know, the, the Kevin Bacon factor, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon that you can work your way out from Kevin Bacon to every, you know, every movie and everything. We're going to all start to know someone or know someone who knows someone who is very, very sick with this virus. It's, 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 it's spreading too fast. It's going to spread too far for it to be like, oh, people had it in New York and I didn't have it. There's going to be people. I know someone in, in you know, my, the family of one of my colleagues who has it, a son. You know, I mean, I, we're all going to know that. And we're, frankly, we're going to know people by Kevin Bacon factor who, who died. That's going to happen. And so that's going to change our mindset on this quite a bit, I think. So be aware of that. But uh, con- uh, thank you to Congressman Green for that tweet and his leadership on that issue. And we'll maybe we'll try to get him on the program, too. So check him out. He's cool. At Rep Mark Green on Twitter. All right, we've we got to wrap things up. We'll be back tomorrow. And I thank you, as always, to Noah, our fearless, fearless technical director. He really does everything. And also to Joanna and, uh, and um, Ryan out in St. Louis who helped produce the show. We will be back. Tomorrow night with a lot more to report. It's the Ed Martin. It's Ed Martin, excuse me, on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.